Dog says, see you to B Corp. Sam Adams does spin while Hard Mountain Dew flounders. And the origin of the lager strain. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the leading voice of industry news for the industry that has, for the 20th year in a row, boasted least employable workforce in the United States. We just narrowly edged out investment banking this year, and while beer industry actually produces something of substance, uh, what count, that counts against us, uh, at work alcohol consumption was way up, and uh, that, well, that's what tied it in. I'm Jeremy Joan. <laughs> I'm Tyler Zimmerman, and I feel that one was a stretch. <laughs> you come up with, a, you, know, you can come up with one of these. How I'm Jeremy doing? Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. <laughs> it doesn't ha- it, it lacks the it lacks the spontaneity and gravitas. I think people tune in just to see what complete and utter horseshit I'm going to start our podcast with. Well, they can't see it; they can hear it, but they can see it. Those of those those of our listeners that have stenesthesia, they can see it, and it's probably lovely. <laughs> what are you drinking today, you <laughs> son of a oh. bitch? You, you pedantic piece of shit. <laughs> How'd you know? The beer I'm drinking is called pedantic piece of shit. <laughs> dibs. If you if you want to name your beer that, I call dibs. Dibs, I say. Uh, no, uh, I realized I forgot to run to the store and have a sick baby. So I started scrounging through my fridge to see what I had. And thank God I still had one can left of the Stokes Light. Listen, so if you wanted a sick baby, just all you had to do is call and give you mine. <laughs> uh, I'm fine with just one. <laughs> uh, second second uh, uh, week in a row uh, uh, doing Stokes. <laughs> uh, no, no, wait. Last... Was, no, wait. It was skipped a week. Um, yep. Actually, it might be. I had a uh, Christmas bomb in there. I might. Uh, I, 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 you might be in a better position than me because I right now I'm rocking the before, during, and after Christmas IPA from um, from Evil Twin, and um, Evil Twin is um, is is I think for the for the like f- fifth or sixth consecutive beer I've had from them. It's been a long time. I've 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 set them aside for a while. Um, it is incredibly mediocre. Yeah, uh, it's a hazy IPA, as evidenced by the fact that it looks like I just dumped yeast into my glass. Um, I was going to say you just clean out the bottom of a fucking carboy. Um, it's fruity. It's like citrusy, mango, a little bit lingering bitterness. But uh, this, yeah, I was. I, I, this one had been talked up a lot, and um, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. This is just <laughs> a. Again, bracingly mediocre, uh, uh, hazy IPA. Luckily, I'm also, uh, I don't know, it seemed like a two-beer episode today because it's already been a long day, so I also grabbed uh, the Fort George Pizza Pals. So maybe I just uh, slam this before, during, and after uh, uh, Christmas IPA, and we'll get, move to the Fort George collaboration with, um, oh, which one was this one? Uh, with uh, Ruse Brewing, so. Hmm. I'll, uh, well, we'll we'll get to that one. It can't be uh, it can't be worse than this one. I have faith in Fort George. Yeah, when I looked through my fridge, it was either this or a leftover Keystone Light that my dad left from Thanksgiving. So I still got a can of Oberon in my fridge. Oh, poor Jeremy! 
has a can of Oberon in his fridge. I'm just saying, my my first world problems. My uh, my, my uh, uh, random uh, random beer in the left in the fridge is far superior to yours. I just I'm just I just wanted to point that out. I think I've got a yeah. I think I've got a Pelican tsunami and yeah an Oberon, just kind of randomly yeah. sitting there. <laughs> my oh. my fridge turd game is far superior to yours. I guess that's the uh, that's what I that's what I'm trying to uh, hint at. Okay, Tyler, what do you got for us? Well, BrewDog uh, just announced or just opened this last weekend their Las Vegas Strip uh, rooftop bar and had some pretty fun promotions as well as the Ooh. day before they are. I know this one. Uh, first day, uh, first day only. For, uh, uh, all women get free makeouts on top of the bar or on top of the roof. I mean, it is a rooftop bar, so I was like, <laughs> I mean, ah. when I saw that, I was like, it just hit the nose. I was just <laughs> hit it right on the nose. I saw that. I'm like, either either Watts oblivious, um, ignoring it, or leaning into it. And you know what? I'm choosing to believe he's leaning into it. <laughs> or it's all three. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't you can't lean into it and and, and be oblivious. If uh, I feel like if he's like, listen, I got a rooftop fetish, so here's my rooftop rooftop fetish bar where people like me can gather, a, you know, away from the judgy eyes of the rest of society. We're gonna fuck uh, on the roof overlooking the rest of y'all prudes. <laughs> fuck y'all. Or. He leaned into it, but the person who was designing it was oblivious. That's how you secure it. All right, fine. Um, <laughs> what? Why do you... Did you just wake up today and just be like, Oh, Jeremy's happiness. Isn't this nice? I'm just going to smash it into smithereen. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I just have to keep you in check. <laughs> but... Uh, they decided they were going to do some fun giveaways to announce uh, the opening of the bar. Uh, but one thing they weren't planning on was giving away their ethical B Corp certificate, which got revoked the day before this location opened. I hate when that happens. <laughs> which the Vegas Eater uh, article starts, goes, just one day before the controversial beer brand, BrewDog opens its first Vegas location. Uh, the Guardian reports that it has lost its status as a B Corporation. I've never got why it's a B Corporation. B Corporations uh, refer to... Uh, um, well, I, okay. I, you probably know why it's, what, what a B Corporation is, but now come to think of it, yeah, why yeah. the fuck is BrewDog a B Corporation? But, um, I mean, yeah. a B Corporation refers to a... Essentially, a a, a a corporation that follows a certain set of ethical standards is that that's is that right? Yeah, but I'm like, why'd they pick B? Is it like a benevolent corporation? Maybe I don't know. Um, I just got distracted right there. <laughs> this has been it's all beer for the for for the the cutting edge of all business news. Uh, I don't know B for benevolence. I guess I don't know. I don't know. Jerry, Google it. Uh, <laughs> Googling. So, uh, but they lost it, uh, and they had just earned it uh, back in February. So, 
in less than a year, they managed to gain and lose the certificate that basically shows they've met high standards of verified performance, accountability, and transparency. You actually um, literally just <laughs> quoted the uh, uh, the website of bcorporation.net I just pulled up. <laughs> <laughs> Almost verbatim, and I think I just cut you off before you went to factors from employee benefits and charitable giving to supply chain practice and input materials. In order to achieve certification, a company must demonstrate high social and environmental performance, uh, make legal commitment by changing their corporate uh, governance structure to be accountable to all stakeholders and exhibit transparency by allowing uh, information about their performance to be measured against B-Lab standards. <laughs> that was fucking kind of amazing. <laughs> I did not have that much. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, But this comes on the heels of some of BrewDog's missteps. Um as we've talked about, their anti-sponsorship of the World Cup in Qatar, uh, uh, trying to call out a little bit Qatar's, of a, a little bit of an oopsie, yeah, yeah, trying to call out their poor human rights by sponsoring the World Cup down there, and then being like, "We're donating all the money that we make from this to uh, go back and uh, help with human rights." I'm like, "Sure, you are." Uh, I- <laughs> And we're gonna t- we're gonna take those humans onto a roof, and I'm going to make out with them. Right. <laughs> if James Watt had to follow the morality police, oh, he'd I be mean, fucked. I mean, uh, uh, well, I think I think it's fine. As near as I can tell about uh, uh, Qatari law, uh, he's fine because he's a billionaire. Oh, we forgot to be able to drink alcohol. You have to be rich too. I mean. As I understand Qatari law, um, and after I, I feel like after the past couple of weeks, I'm an expert. Um, <laughs> if you're a billionaire, fuck it. <coughs> I think that is yeah. actually, actually, I think that is their eperblius unum. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I don't know how if you you're say- a billionaire. Fuck it is like the slogan for any country. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know how you say, uh, uh, if you're a billionaire, fuck it in Arabic, but I'm pretty sure that's on all the money. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. I've read it. If you you speak Arabic, uh, uh, will you please tell me how to say, if you're a billionaire, fuck it. (laughs) Google Translate, bro. (laughs) I'm Googling too much already. Continue. Uh, Besides, I can't pronounce uh, Arabic. I I got a little bit of a sore throat anyway. Sure. Uh, so it also uh, incurred so the campaign of the anti-sponsorships incurred some allegations of hypocrisy given that the brewery no. worked in conditions <laughs> no <laughs> say it isn't so <laughs> yep uh as we've discussed at length, uh, <laughs> hundreds of former BrewDog employees accused the company and founders of creating a culture of fear. <laughs> I want to. I want to be. I want to start pulling up episodes, but it really like every about every other episode starting from this year. Actually, this has been James Watt's year, and you know, by that I mean the opposite of that. 
So, uh, the B-Lab, after seeing the BBC documentary, Disclosure, The Truth About BrewDog, decided they were going to investigate BrewDog uh, earlier this year. BrewDog scored an 81.8 on the B Corp's scoring system. Um, and that's out of a potential 200. Oh, shoot. shit. I'm like, 80, that's actually, 83. That's not bad. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and th- the scoring system does allow a company to achieve a certificate if it scores at least an 80 and consents to information about its performance measured against the B-Lab standards to be publicly available on its website, among other measures. Uh, a representative from BrewDog issued a statement saying they chose to walk away from the certificate. Um, <laughs> you know what? That's that's like saying uh, uh, you get pulled over for drunk driving they, they, they and they revoke your license. You coming out and saying, actually, I, I, to- I chose to walk away from my driver's license. Um, it just... <laughs> It just, I, I just didn't feel it was serving my needs at the time. I, 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 we, I want to uh, position myself as a man who uh, uh, gets blitzed to the tits and uh, can't be bothered with uh, your, uh, your traffic laws. Uh, it more be like you, you get pulled over for excessive speed and then they're like, you can go to traffic school or you can pay this fine. And you're like, I'm going to go to traffic school because I feel like it's just, I need a refresher. <laughs> Uh, but so they said, and I quote, uh, with our focus on delivering on the objectives contained in the BrewDog blueprint, which is unique to us and built hand in hand with our team. We decided to step aside from our B Corp certification for the time being. Um, they, uh, B-Lab had requested additional members from BrewDog and the BrewDog board to decide uh, that these were not something we could do at this time. Though we remain committed to the values upheld by B-Lab, we believe our business is currently best served focusing on the blueprint as well as very specific sustainability targets related to our Lost Forest project and continued ramp up for our ad facility is that the lost forest project uh, 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 that's the one where they promised to plant a tree uh for every bottle of something or other that they made and then they just they, they didn't they lost the forest where they were going to plant it yeah that's it <laughs> yes because, uh, well i mean they didn't lose it they just couldn't see it for the trees Boom. Uh, B-Lab did issue a statement on Friday, to uh, Friday, December 2nd, to Eater, explaining that BrewDog elected to step away from B Corp following a suspension and request to follow B-Lab's remediation plan. A secondary representative from B-Lab later provided a comment to Eater uh, saying BrewDog is no longer a certified B Corp and B Lab does not comment on companies that are no longer in the B Corp community. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a slight hint of sassy bitch in that statement. <laughs> so, a um, little downside on their opening, but 
Now let's get to their opening day. And Jeremy, would you like to guess some of the stuff they did to celebrate their Las Vegas opening? Oh, let's see here. Um, if I know James Watt, and after this year, I believe I do. Um, he he uh, uh, poured more money into Heineken and lodged a Heineken bottle and gave it the finger. Uh, he made out with no fewer than uh, uh, 30 women. Uh, two men and, accidentally, uh, and then and uh, a donkey, and I was gonna say, and two as of yet. Uh, I, I, we're trying to figure out how they self-identify, um, and then and then a donkey was launched off the uh, ceremonially. This is actually a, a brew dog a, a, a thing to, to commemorate every uh, to commemorate every location they open. Uh, they uh, catapulted a donkey into the side of it, but since it's a rooftop bar, they just they just tried to launch it over, and it uh, fell into the uh, Bellagio fountain and was quite all right. Oh, none of that. Uh, oh shit! Oh, well, what is this world make- coming to? The makeout part. I mean, the, the article shit. doesn't. The makeout shit definitely happened. <laughs> I, I'm like, article doesn't specify, but if I had to place some money on it, I'm gonna say you're probably not far off. Uh, but uh, they decided to run a bunch of drawings uh, on Friday evening. They had about 1,000 guests uh, waiting in line that they brought in. They had Scottish bagpipers play. Uh, that welcome guests. Uh, I like. And listen, I like bagpipes, and uh, it's not for everyone. I've if uh, there are situations where if there are bagpipes in a bar, you're like, no, fuck this. Oh yeah, uh, they had Elvis there. Uh, they Did Elvis have were a giving. I don't know. Uh, they also were giving out. A bunch of Elvis juice, one of their beers. Uh, they were giving out a bunch of different prizes, including a hundred dollar bar tab, epic dinner for four, and stay at Brewdog's Hotel, uh, as well as a one million dollar bar tab. That lasts you about a year, wouldn't it, Tyler? Uh, six months. Uh, but, uh, so they held the drum roll. James Watt standing on a bar, asking for a drum roll. When he drew the drew the winnings guest number, it was Jeffrey Appleby. Okay. Wonder if he has any relation to the Applebee's for, franchise uh, of Las Vegas. He won, so he had a one million dollar bar tab with Brewdog. Now hopped up on the bar. Everyone started chanting, chanting his name, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. James Watt leaned in for a big wet kiss. <laughs> I made that part up, but uh, if you didn't, I would have. <laughs> he then, in turn, spent twenty-seven thousand dollars of his million-dollar bar tab, purchasing everyone on site a round of beer. Excellent. Um, he can go on to use his winnings at any of the 119 BrewDog locations around the world, including BrewDog's Hotel, and has up to 20 years to clear out the bar tab before it is taken away. Okay, now that actually sounds like... I didn't know there's a time limit. That sounds like a challenge. Can you consume a million dollars worth of booze? And, I mean, there's a hotels and other things, you know... That, and food. Yeah, and other things, but... Could you 
could you consume a million dollars? Let's let's take the hotels out of that because I feel like with hotels you could easily you could probably burn through that a little bit faster. Um, we're talking just beer and bar food. Could you think you consume a million dollars worth of that shit in twenty years? That'd be hard, dude. Uh, I mean, I would be rolling in with a group of friends and just living it up every weekend. Because. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming drinks aren't too cheap, figuring he spent $27,000 to buy a round of beers for about 1,000 people. That, that Yeah, that is, uh, uh, well, uh, yeah, that is, uh, uh, I mean, that, uh, I guess, assumes $27 a beer, which is, uh, that's, that's, that's a lot even by Las Vegas standards. Yeah. <coughs> so... I mean, I guess he was, maybe he was there, first of all, I, I'm assuming that he was there a while. Maybe he bought a, a, another round for additional people as people walked in. Maybe it was like he was there for like a couple hours and people were cycling in and out. So, I don't know. I'm trying to be generous. So, but I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's call this, what would you say, average price in Vegas for a pint of craft beer oh i have no fucking idea i haven't bought a craft beer in las vegas in over 10 years should should we call it 12 dollars? figuring you including tip uh actually that made my butthole clench so hard i could have cut a uh, a cigar but yes that that makes sense okay so if you stayed just in las vegas and you paid 12 dollars per beer you would have to order 83,333 beers. So, 83,333 divided by, let's be unhealthy fucks, uh, six beers a day. That is 13,888 days. <laughs> divided by 365 days, that is 38 years. So he's so, so 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 on that schedule. So even leading a, uh, a arguably unhealthy and uh, a borderline chronically alcoholic lifestyle, you're not going to make it. You're going to get close. Okay. So, but you're not going to make it. So million dollars divided by twelve dollars a beer. Let's divide it by twenty years. So you'd need to drink four. 1167 beers a year divided by 12 or divided by 365 days that's 12 beers a day 11.4 so 12 beers a day but let us let us consider this because um now, i mean you've just uh, uh announced uh, his name here on this podcast which means that now everybody uh, knows that he has a million dollar bar tab. There is no fucking way that he's sitting down at that bar without like somebody going, "Hey, dude, hey, hey, you're covering this, right?" He could. Oh yeah, if I was his friend, I'd be like, "Hey, you want to go get a drink?" Yeah, where, Brewdog? I was gonna say, where do you think? Where you got a million dollar bar tab, you penis? <laughs> I want to go get fucked up, <laughs> and I want, and, and I want you. Or more accurately, uh, a watt to pay for it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and so if you if he's got like also if he's only got like 
two friends like us, then already that twelve dollar that those uh, those twelve beers a day actually start uh, start seeing a, a little bit uh, minimalistic. Yeah, because I mean, it's okay. Let's see, say so twelve beers a day times seven days in a week. That's eighty four beers. Let's say he has two alcoholic friends like us. He goes there. He has five beers. And let's say they only drink on the weekends. What kind so of blasphemy 80, is that? They'd each have to drink 28 beers over the course of a weekend if him and two friends went there every weekend. Challenge accepted. Not that much. Not really. So, but doing it by yourself. Also, I'm like, does he have like a little card he has to show? Or a card he has to swipe. Because if it's just walk up and say, oh, my name's this, I have a bar tab, Well, and my ass would be walking up being like, my name's Jeff Appleby, I have a tab. And he's also about to make a lot of new friends. He just bought a a round of beers for a thousand people. He's making some new friends. That's probably where the other, like, uh, 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 you know, 12,000 went was all the new friends he made that night. Probably, and the so rooftop just keep make- it coming, and the rooftop makes out makeouts. Yep, <laughs> he got billed because he wouldn't finish making out with James a lot. <laughs> uh, but Brewdog had something to celebrate and something to say. No, 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 no. They didn't break up with us. We broke up with them. <laughs> uh, Jerry, what do you got next? Hard Mountain Dew is doing exactly what Hard Mountain Dew should do news now. Uh, namely, crashing like a meth head on a four-wheeler hopped up on, well, the last case of Hard Mountain Dew. Uh, the collaborate- How many times have you said do right there? Doo-doo? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> the collaboration between Boston Beer Company and uh, Pepsi uh, that launched in February of this year uh, to quite a bit of fanfare... Um, uh, the initial reviews were good. Uh, it was selling out uh, where it had hit, but uh, then some, uh, uh, and and it was at that point in time, some executives at Pepsi and Sam Adams who were getting, they started getting really smug about comments, well, like mine, which basically were something along the lines of Hard Mountain Dew is not a beverage you market. It's what you were stuck with when you're in a trailer park and you've already drunk, uh, uh, you're already too drunk to walk and uh, all you have is a bottle of vodka and a half a liter of soda uh, with a cigarette butt still floating in it. <laughs> but the but the but back then the response was well I guess time will tell uh, I mean it's sure the the sales are surely uh, peaking right now and they're selling out wherever we bring it and well the time is certainly telling this is from yeah the day. only place you really fucking sent it was Ohio and that is like the trailer park of a state. <laughs> Past that, but uh, uh, but I mean, you're you're not wrong. Uh, this comes from Good Beer Hunting by Kate <laughs> Bernat. Um, and it would seem nearly a year after the release of Hard Mountain Dew, uh, it's losing its luster. Uh, it debuted actually in Florida, Tennessee, and Iowa, um, and has since expanded to Virginia, Oklahoma, Nevada, Missouri, uh, Minnesota, and Arkansas. Uh, and everywhere it goes, the excitement is palpable for about a minute. Um, and then realizing that hard Mountain Dew tastes like liquid bad decisions, uh, people move and on. And diabetes. 
<laughs> people move on to the next thing. Uh, and we're at the point where hard Mountain Dew sales are still growing, but it's only because they keep adding new territory. Um, and you can only do that for so long. Um, and uh, About 50 times. <laughs> and in the original markets, uh, the sugar booze is tanking. Um, in Florida, Tennessee, and Iowa, they are selling less every month than they did the month previous. Uh, in Iowa specifically, Hard Mountain Dew captured 18% of the flavored malt beverage volume in grocery stores and big box stores. Uh, that was in February. Today, less than 3%. Uh, for the moment, uh, the obvious solution is to keep rolling out to new markets and hope that eventually people start craving what is essentially the blood of an orange deadbeat uh, uh, alcoholic uncle who died in a bathtub full of ice while on a bender in Cambodia. But the problem is that Hard Mountain Dews, biz- they have a bizarre distribution channel, and I'll go into that into more detail in a moment. Um, but it is actually preventing it from getting into 20 or 30 or 20 or 30 percent of the states. And I'm willing to put good money that our home state is one of them. Yeah, probably. Uh, And now, in and of itself, this is not terribly surprising. Uh, Flavored malt beverages uh, are a notoriously weird category, uh, requiring endless novelty uh, where uh, new products are rolled out and pulled back on a nearly daily basis. What makes this one specifically weird is that this isn't just a new flavor smeared off ice or a mixed pack of White Claw with fun new flavors like, I don't know, Kitten's Claws and Orange Slices. Um, because uh, they have they built a whole distribution channel from scratch just for... Uh, uh, not distribu- They built a distributor from scratch just for Hard Mountain Dew for now. Um, and it makes, uh, uh, it, it makes this whole, uh, uh, endeavor, um, a little bit more precarious. Um, you know, Jim Coke, uh, 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 has come out, uh, um, he said in a recent, uh, industry conference that Heart Mountain Dew was quote, at the end of the day, this is an experiment to which the proper response is, well, yeah, it's an experiment in the same way the Apollo missions were an experiment, which is to say there's a lot of money and effort going into this. So if it explodes on the launch pad, it's kind of hard to shrug and go, oh, well, that didn't work. But you know what I say? If at first you don't succeed, chug a case case of hard Mountain Dew because your life is basically over anyway. I was going to say, it's an experiment like a meth lab is. Someone's going to die. Something's (laughs) going to blow up. And... A lot of people are going to really fuck up their lives. <laughs> Blue Cloud is the distributor uh, that is owned by Pepsi. And right now, its entire purpose is to traffic hard Mountain Dew. Uh, they are, or at least um, there were some additional brands in the works. A hard Lipton iced tea was being considered to compete with, well, actually, I guess Sam Adams Twisted Tea, which is a little bit odd. Um, but the point is that the partnership was always a bit of a, a kind of a weird moonshot. Um, and if Hard Mountain Dew was a new White Claw, then having your own distribution channel makes a little bit of sense. Uh, if not only for the level of control, but, but you, you know, there's less of a middleman, you know, t- uh, to take their cut. Um, but I've, as I've spent the last several minutes describing, it's not going well. And having their own distribution channel seems to be causing more harm than good. Um, I talked about, uh, I talked like briefly touched on regu- regulatory problems, uh, in Georgia, 
uh, for example, the state regulatory board denied Blue Cloud's wholesale license, saying that it violated the three-tier system. Um, very quickly, the three- oh, but they don't deny AB InBev's fucking wholesale license, do they? <laughs> um, I mean, very quickly, the three. I mean, yeah, the you know whether or not AB InBev. I mean the. The, what we're learning is that the three-tier system is very, very fiddly, right? It's basically a system that tries to stave off the worst of the beer industry, reverting back to the time when the robber barons owned the breweries, the distributors, and the bars, which meant everybody got fucked, and it was never fun. Um, you, uh, uh, the, 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 the Kind of the rule of thumb is you can't own a distributor or a retail location if you own a brewery or vice versa. You can own one of the three. But there are ways around this. For example, if you're AB InBev, yeah, you brew beer. Uh, you can't own a distributorship, but you can bribe them until they only distribute your beer. No, AB InBev owns certain distributors in certain states. Oh, is that right? Yes. It, so in certain states, you can own a distributor and a brewery. That's how uh, there's like uh, okay. Stone has its own distributor. Um in California, uh, there's well, Crooked I mean, I get, Stave in I get Colorado. Into, I get into uh, the state control of this in just a second. So put a if you if you if you, uh, do me a favor, put a cork in or put a put a pin in that one for just a second because uh, I, I I do get into how it's enforced. Um, um, but uh, uh, but anyway, I mean the 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 idea was. I mean, I think. I think that I, what I want to what what's good to know right this second is ideally you can own one of the three, uh, and that will help prevent uh, vertical integration to the point where it completely dominates the market. But there are ways around it, um, and in fact, the, uh, their way around it was the fact that Pepsi doesn't actually own um, a brewery and they own the distributor. So you know, but. <laughs> But, I mean, uh, but, uh, like you, I mean, uh, Georgia is has decided that in their state that doesn't fly, and it turns out that middle middlemen don't really like being cut out, and it's part of, it's the part of cutting out middlemen that you really don't think about until the middlemen are giving you well the middle finger. Uh, in this case, because they make the most money. <laughs> Well, in this case, Pepsi doesn't have to work with distributors. It turns out that Sam Adams does. And some of them, as evidenced by an episode we did a few weeks back, uh, episode uh, 111, the acquisitions of Tilray and the beer distribution slap fight, distributors are kind of pissed off about this. Uh, There's been some grumbling among them. And in... uh, You know, there was a thing we talked about where they were accusing um, uh, Blue Cloud of marketing to children... Their evidence was flimsy at best, but what you could take away from that was they were trying to cl- cause trouble for Blue, Crow- uh, Blue Cloud. And in the case of Virginia, um, Sam Adams' own distributor filed a complaint against them with the Beverage Control Authority in Virginia. Really? Yes. Um, and so this is where I kind of want to uh, 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 kind of bring it back in because, uh, like, like you mentioned. Uh, the three-tier system is not. There's no federal enforcement of this. Um, there is, but the federal rules are very vague and widespread. And I, it's okay. There's 
it's very rare to see actually see federal enforcement. I think is a is a more accurate way of saying it. There, yes, there is. You have to fuck up big time. Um, it's mostly regulated to the states, which is why um, which is why you're seeing uh, uh, problems in Georgia and Virginia, but also um, why you're. Uh, uh, you know why they're having troubles getting into, like I said, about twenty to thirty percent of the states, including this one, because uh, uh, um, it it's very largely dependent state to state. Whereas it would be almost easier if you could just convince the federal government that no, really, this is this is fine with the three tier system. You now have to convince fifty or more different entities what you know that what you're doing is legal. <laughs> Um, and, uh, once again, uh, into the fray stepped, uh, uh, Jim Coke, who tried to smooth out the situation with his, uh, with his distributors that were increasingly rebelling against him by explaining that Boston Beer Company was just a supplier. And he said, quote, I hope Blue Cloud is successful and good, but if they, tur- if it, if they turn out to not like this business or not work out, which they are a partner, I hope it does work out for them, but if it doesn't work... Uh, where's that volume going to go? We're the supplier. We can determine that. <laughs> <laughs> which your which your little uh, giggle, I think, uh, hinted at the problem. Here's the problem: Who the figgity fuck is going to want to pick up and try to distribute a product that has already been distributed by someone else and has been proven that nobody wants to fucking buy it? You're not. Yep. You're not going to exactly have a line out the door uh, uh, to essentially pick up what is a failure in a can. Um, and incidentally, uh, pure distilled failure is what give Mountain Dew its signature yellow color. Well, actually, that and lemur piss. Um, but no, the, if, if you're hoping that your distributors are going to come out and do you a solid by keeping on distributing hard Mountain Dew, you're, you're in a rough negotiating position. The only advantage is because sam adams comes in with boston beer dogfish head um fuck twisted tea and truly if you have an account or a distributor that like truly is truly or twisted tea is paying those bills they're not gonna risk you walking out that door I mean, as the when I worked in grocery, as uh, as evidenced by the Sam Adams IPA mix pack, which was in the set every for the entire time I was there, and I we never sold a single one. Um, yeah, <laughs> there. I mean, the uh, Sam Adams does have some uh, um, some pressure over you, but at the same time, I mean. Uh, you're right. While a while a distributor is is unlikely to uh, uh, to dr- drop Sam Adams for being forced to uh, uh, to carry uh, t- uh, to carry Hard Mountain Dew, let me tell you, there are ways around it on the ground. Oh yes. I mean, they, all they have to say is, "Oh, sorry, could get into the set." 
Um, I mean, I've literally seen, uh, uh, I've literally, uh, again, when I work in grocery, I've literally had uh, um, uh, uh, sales guys come up to me, say, I must want to set up a display for a second, take a picture and take it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a thing they can do. I mean, you know, this is the, uh, you know, this is, this is like where, uh, uh, where, you know, concept hits reality. We're like, fine, we'll get hard mountain doing all the grocery stores. Everybody just get pictures of it. Okay, fine. Can I just put it on the shelf, take a picture and then leave? Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. If you sell one awesome, otherwise I'll buy it back in a couple months. Yeah. If that, I mean, it's a little bit less, it's a little bit less in grocery, but um, and also, yeah, there's, you're not going to get a whole lot of support from them over a product that doesn't fucking sell. But again, there, there, there is some of that. So, um, and I guess, uh, what's the moral of the story? Well, I guess it's this, um, I think in the wake of like RTDs and, uh, hard seltzers, every beverage company is, uh, racking their brains trying to come up with, uh, what is essentially the next white claw. Um, and as the saying goes, to find a prince, you have to kiss a lot of frogs, and in this case, maybe uh, to find the next white claw, you have to produce a lot of stuff that tastes like carbonated frog jizz. Um, but in search of that, maybe don't try to build a whole distribution network uh, 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 to get around the three-tier system before you figure out that what you made is something people. Before you figure out whether you made is something people actually want. <laughs> and second, um, people can pour vodka into Mountain Dew. High school dropouts have been doing it for years. It doesn't take a refined palate or a degree from a culinary school. And in fact, it takes exactly three things. Uh, Mountain Dew, vodka, and a, and a trailer park. I was going to say a predilection for self-destruction. But uh, or, uh, but yeah, if you're in a trailer park, I think you've demonstrated that. <laughs> on a semi-related note, I, I, I brought this up a little bit at last week, but it was literally something I read on Twitter a little bit before recording, so uh, I, I did confirm it. Uh, yes, Pabst is discontinuing its hard coffee, uh, and it was worth bringing up again for a couple of reasons. First, that all things considered, Pabst hard coffee was arguably in a much better position than Hard Mountain Dew at the moment. Um, uh uh, hard the Paps Hard Coffee apparently had a 55% market share of the hard coffee subcategory of the beer, cider, and uh, FMB. Um, yes, there is a hard coffee subcategory. Uh, I knew there was a hard coffee. I've I've seen other brands. I mean, the only other like prominent one that I've seen is the Rebel. Right. I just. It, uh, uh, I just enjoyed the. F I mean, there's uh, there's a hundred subcategories, but just I enjoyed the fact that there was that subcategory. Um, and uh, 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 back in 2020, there's less. Uh, I found at least uh, three articles proclaiming that hard coffee was like the big thing. Like this is the year of hard coffee. You know, hard coffee. The problem is that on a wider scale, sales dropped 40 percent for uh, Pabst Hard Coffee in 2022. And it turns out that although it tastes like alcoholic Yoohoo, and it was tasty actually, um, um, I, I I think you definitely tried it. You tried it before I did. Mm -hmm. I did try it. Um, but the problem is you can't get good and fuckered up on alcoholic Yoohoo. You just can't. Try to imagine what it would be like to drink enough five percent sugar milk to get completely shit faced, and then imagine 
projectile vomiting get <laughs> all back up? In fact, I found a headline from an article uh, from the Pittsburgh City Paper from 2019 about the debut of Pabst Hard Coffee that said, and this is in the headline, don't drink six in one sitting. The headline... <laughs> Later, the article uh, uh, the article uh, says that the writer got that piece of advice from a cashier at Liberty Beer, uh, who apparently had tried that experiment on herself, to disastrous and I'm guessing messy results. Oh, <laughs> oh! Lest we forget, the point of booze sometimes, not always, sometimes is to get fuckered up, and if you cannot get fuckered up on your booze. It, why booze? Why booze? Uh, Paps Tard Coffee, we hardly you, knew ye. You were a lot like this podcast. Uh, caffeinated, boozed up. Uh, good in small doses, and it turns out uh, destined to remember by, be remembered by about five people. Tyler, what do you got yeah. for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we have long proclaimed that fresh hops are the best beers and should be enjoyed by more people. Well, Alaskan Airlines decided, you know what? These guys hosting this podcast are correct. We need to help make sure breweries can make fresh hop beers that aren't able to grow them. It's been a I made uh, up a the major, part. I've been a major. We've been a major push for the uh, for the proliferation of fresh hops, um, and I'm I'm just glad that our charity work on this uh, on this front is not going unnoticed. Yeah. Uh, so, Alaskan Airlines actually ends up helping to ship some hops 2,700 miles. So, Maui Brewing in uh, Hawaii and 49th, uh, fuck, 49th Parallel. Hold on. Give me a sec. I forgot the <laughs> name. 49th State uh, in Anchorage, Alaska uh, were the two breweries that were able to get the fresh hop. Uh, this is record-setting because no U.S. airline has undertaken transporting fresh hops. Um, so, the resulting beers are going to be served at Alaskan Airlines Airport Lounge in Seattle, Portland, and Anchorage. Um, they d- delivered 1,287 pounds of fresh hops to each brewery uh, so they could make a fresh hop IPA. Uh, with this, um, they actually partnered with um, Bale Breaker Brewing, uh, who does has their own hop farm, to get the hops. Um, but the guy who kind of is the hero and the inspiration behind this is Jake Spots, a beer lover and U.S. Air Force veteran uh, and postal affairs manager with the Alaskan Airlines team um, came up with the idea and said, hey, why don't we get fresh hops to some places that had this? Uh, Because Alaskan Airlines ships about uh, they ship fresh salmon to the lower 48 states and around the world. Why couldn't they get Northwest Hops across the Pacific, and to some breweries that don't have access to it. So, um, they decided to take a look and see 
how effective would this be? And can you actually get it from the vine to the breweries to go into the beer within the 24-hour mark? Uh, and they were able to. So they partnered with Loftus Ranch in Yakima, who harvested it, threw it in a refrigerated truck, drove to the Seattle-Tacoma airport, uh, loaded the bags into the airplane, <laughs> and then the planes took off for their destinations. Uh, they then I, I, were... I, 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 I really, really hope that... So, I mean, it's Alaskan Airlines, so I'm assuming this is a, uh, a, a commuter flight. Um, and it, it, it would bring me so much joy um, if, the, if the, they load this truck, but they're running a little bit late. He's speeding down the interstate, gets fucking stuck in Seattle traffic, which is a thing. And the people sitting on the runway and the company comes on going, um, uh, we're going to be a little bit late taking off today. We're waiting for our fresh ops that are supposed to be uh, uh, arriving any shortly. So uh, please enjoy the uh, in-flight entertainment. And uh, as soon as we get the hops on board, we'll be uh, hopping over to our final destination. Uh, thank you. <laughs> The thing is, if they came on with that in Seattle, I don't know if people would be like, oh, God damn it. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we're waiting for fresh hops. Okay. Would, I mean, if there's any place in the world I, uh, that would be understanding, like, oh, fuck, yeah. We're, we're taking fresh hops somewhere? Well, yeah, like, take your time, man. Uh, especially, do we, have beer, do we have beer on board? Well, just keep them coming and we're all good. Um, but... So they were able to get the hops to the brewers who got them added to the beer and were able to produce fresh hop beers. Uh, the resulting beer is the Fresh Isle Delivery uh, Hazy Fresh Hop IPA from Alaska's 49th State Brewing and Hop Cargo Fresh Hop IPA from Maui Brewing. Uh, the IPAs will be... Um, like I said, available on in the airport lounges uh, until the 200 kegs run dry, or they decide to do another hop run to have some more beer. Excellent. So, uh, if you recently flew to either uh, Anchorage or uh, Maui and your flight was delayed, it may have been because they were waiting on fresh hops. You should be goddamn thankful. You were doing the Lord's work, or you were on the... <laughs> You were on an aircraft that was doing the Lord's work, which is, uh, is it, it, that's just as important. <laughs> so, Jimmy, what have we got next? Yeast fucking news now. That just makes me happy to say that. Uh, it turns out that the original strain that would eventually become lager yeast was found in the dirt in Ireland, which... Okay, yeah, that would surprise nobody that all American piss water has its root literally in Irish soil. It just seems correct. Um, yeah. The origin of lager yeast has always been a bit of a puzzler, and I did not know this, but uh, 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 I mean, obviously, um, the strain of yeast that was a, uh, that was really cultivated because lagers have been around for hundreds of years. Uh, the oldest lagers date back uh, at least five hundred years. Um, uh, they didn't have uh they couldn't exactly just pitch a, a vial of Y yeast now, could they? Um, it had to come from the wild, and it had to be cultivated basically by natural selection. 
Uh, but the initial components uh, that you would need have never been found in Europe. Uh, specifically, uh, they found the strains of Saccharomyces ubayanus, uh, which is thought to be a predecessor of lager yeast, um, where it gets its characteristic cold tolerance. Um, the thing is that uh, this yeast has been located in South America, uh, North America, China, Tibet, and New Zealand. Um, it was assumed, given the relative uh, uh, climate of these uh, areas that it was found, that this strain could also be found in Europe. Uh, but until this point, it has not. Um, so this discovery does confirm the presence of uh, S. eubaniasis uh, in, in Europe, and thus actually lends credence to the theory uh, that it is the parent of lager yeast. Um, and it is actually thought to be the parent of lager yeast in a literal way. It is assumed that uh, eubaniasis and cerveza, uh, uh, Saccharomyces cerveza, uh, um, or cerveza, excuse me, um, actually made it at some point, to which you might be saying to oh. yourself, wait, yeast produced by division. What do you mean mated? Well, it turns out that specific yeast cells can mate with each other to form new strains. And not surprisingly, uh, uh, Cervasia uh, is an especially saucy little minx who's up for a little my <laughs> meiosis at the drop of a hat. That microscopic trollop puts on a bit of flash, a little, some alpha proteins, and a little bit of pheromone, and it brings all the eukaryotes to the, to the yard, baby. God damn it, I hate you so much. <laughs> so, how does this work exactly? Well, listen, this is a family podcast, but we're also all about, uh, all about, uh, um, about education here. So, um, I don't want to get too, uh, 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 too, uh, 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 graphic, but, you know what, let me just set the mood here a little bit. <laughs> Mating and yeast is stimulated by the presence of a pheromone which binds to either the ST2 receptor in an A cell or the ST3 receptor in an alpha cell. The binding of this pheromone then leads to the activation of the heterodermotic G protein. The dimetric portion of this G protein recruits ST5 and related MA key cascade components to the membrane and ultimately results in the phosphorylation of FUS3. The switching mechanism arises as the result of this competition between the FUS3 protein and the phosphorase PTC1. These proteins both attempt to control the four phosphorylation sites of the STE5, a scaffold protein with the, S with the FUS3 attempting to biphosphorylate the phosphorines attempting to disfoliate them. And at that point in time, the alpha protein rolls out of bed, grabs a ginger ale from the vending machine, and calls a cab. <laughs> Just, so now you know how that works. Remember, kids, now that you know how it works, don't do it. <laughs> That whole article was just so I could do that bit. 
I wouldn't be surprised if you even just made up that article. No, nope, that just comes like... right straight from the Wikipedia article on 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 uh, uh, yeast uh, on Saccharomyces um, uh, uh, mating decisions. <laughs> I mean, I'm also impressed you had the dub ready with the music. It was. <laughs> Tyler just has a look on his face going, I, why? Why do I show up here every week for this shit? I got nothing. Do you have anything else for us today? Are we going to end on yeast fucking? Uh, I, I think you got me. Well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, if uh, listen, calm down, Tyler. If you need to take a cold shower or something, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, uh, you can, uh, if, if you are, uh, if, if you'd like some more saucy stories uh, uh, about uh, 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 the transgressions of the uh, uh, of uh, 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 Saccharomyces cerevisiae and its, uh, its erotic little A protein, you can send us an email at uh, itsallbeer at gmail.com. Um, if you would. <laughs> We put some things on Instagram, including a uh, uh, the, the first quote I pulled from the podcast, which Tyler was like, the fuck are you pulling a quote from me when I'm talking shit? Yeah, I talk shit on one state, and Jeremy's like, perfect, click. Ah, <laughs> uh, you can see quotes from, uh, quotes from the uh, podcast. Maybe I'll put some yeast porn up or something uh, on, on our Instagram account. Uh which will then go into our Facebook account, uh, and then uh, uh, if you want to check out our Twitter account, um, it's still around. Um, we put up all the articles we use to make this podcast up there. Uh, and if you want to leave us a rating, including that uh, uh, if, if you were especially turned on and want more yeast porn in your uh, in your uh, uh, podcast feed, uh, if you, uh, you know, send us a rating. Um, uh, five stars for yes, more yeast porn and uh, and. And one star for what the literal fuck is the matter with you? We're gonna get so many one star reviews, <laughs> and that'll be quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna watch East Porn. Have fun. <laughs>